Lovely day for tennis, eh? Game set and match. This is Tennis Talk Canada with Jim Taddy on TSN 1050. Well, excitement on the way. The U.S. Open all set to start on Monday. TSN will have it covered wall-to-wall on the television side. And, of course, right here on Tennis Talk Canada. Welcome aboard. We will keep you updated every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Jim Taddy and Ken Christina with you. Ken is, of course, the director of tennis at the Mayfair Clubs. Ken, welcome. How are you today? Oh, fantastic. Favorite time of the year, Jim, on the cusp of the U.S. Open, on the cusp of fall tennis starting in Toronto, which is always a great time to play, whether you're playing indoors or outdoors. This is certainly my favorite time of the year when it comes to tennis. So I'm excited that the U.S. Open is around the corner and we've got a, a number of young Canadian hopefuls and stars playing the event. So that's great news as well. Okay, before we get going, uh, Stephanie Miles will be our guest in segment number two. She is a tennis journalist at the U.S. Open, and her Twitter account is at Open Court. Uh, later on, Stacey Allister will join us in the final segment as we move things around today. She's the tournament director at the U.S. Open and has a deep connection and, and past service with Tennis Canada and Canadian tennis in general. Before, again, we launch, Racket Guys is Canada's largest selection of tennis gear at the guaranteed lowest price. Shop online at racketguys.ca or visit their market Superstore for expert advice. Serve a drop shot in your retirement. Let the team at Owl Mortgage show you how to ace your retirement with expert advice with a copy of Home Run, the reverse mortgage advantage. For your free copy, call Owl Mortgage at 416-633-5363. So we've got six Canadian entries in singles at the U.S. Open, and without a doubt, the inspirational, the, the rally story goes to Rebecca Marino, who qualified just yesterday, Ken. This is a remarkable story. Yeah, fantastic news to see Rebecca Marino qualify. Um, you know, she's, she's really battled hard. She did fantastic in Toronto, in, or sorry, in Montreal at the National Bank Open, winning two matches against top-ranked players. And then to see her go down to New York, she's working so hard at her game. You know, I've mentioned on the, on the air before that she's got a big first serve and a big forehand. She plays an awful lot like Pliskova, who, you know, certainly not ranked at that level yet, but finding a way back after taking a bit of a hiatus from the WTA Tour. Uh, Rebecca found a way yesterday to win in extreme heat against the number six seed by a score of 6-3, 3-6, You know, there's some bright spots in the match. She had seven aces, which was great. The match before that, she had 14 aces, so the big serve is working. In my opinion, in order to do well in the main draw or in any main draw on the WTA Tour, she has to pick her first serve percentage up. Yesterday, it was at 71%. Very respectable. That will get the job done against a lot of the great players on the, in the main draws of WTA events. But prior to that, her first serve percentage in the match before was only at 49%. So not good enough, especially for a player that relies heavily on the big serve followed up by the big forehand. Um, another stat that kind of jumped off the board, she was 4 for 15 in breakpoint opportunities in her match, in her last qualifying match against Minnan. Um, she's got to do a little bit better than that. When you have the opportunities, you've got to capitalize on those opportunities. And sometimes for players that are, you know, trying to qualify or trying to win those big matches, they're putting a little too much pressure on themselves when they are securing those break points. Instead, it should be more of just, you know, relax, play the way that I've been playing, play the, the way that got me to this break point, rather than trying for a little too much and put pressure on your opponent. It, you know, the pressure really is on the server. And often for players like Marino who are, 
you know, trying to get over that hurdle to qualify or trying to get over that hurdle to have a big win, they put pressure on themselves to break. But if you just get the ball in play, put a little bit of pressure on the server, you'll be surprised at how well things can go. And, you know, the next thing you know, you get that break of serve and you're up early in a match or early in a set. So um, very impressed to see her doing so well. She's, she's really a big fan favorite. She's always been there for Canada and answered the call to play Fed Cup, which is now Billie Jean King Cup. So uh, we're hoping that she, she does well. But, you know, Jim, she, she really got a, a poor draw. She had a 1-16 in 16 yeah. chance of playing Svitolina, and that's who she plays, unfortunately. Yeah, the number five seed. That is a tough one, but, you know, sometimes uh, uh, things can happen, and, and she's certainly tracking in the right direction. I just want to point out that Mark Rowe for TSN is in New York. Going to hear a conversation he had with Bianca yesterday very shortly. Uh, Mark Masters, follow him on Twitter, has done a great job of mapping out what the Canadians are up to. And a reminder, again, you can watch all of this on TSN. Monday it all starts. Felix at 11, Leila Annie Fernandez at 11, Rebecca Marino at uh, approximately 2.30. And, again, you know, it depends on what happens before. On Tuesday, Dennis is slated at 3.30, Bianca at 9, and Pospisil, uh, they haven't got a firm time for him, so again, he's he's later in the day, and it depends on, on what happens, but excited to have six people, six competitors in singles action. That's a that's a deep field, isn't it? Uh, absolutely, and you know, just for our listeners that are, are, are listening into the show now, Jim, a lot of tennis people aren't familiar with how times are set for tournaments and they might turn TSN on and go oh I thought Leila Annie Fernandez was playing now or oh I thought Dennis was playing now but all matches on the ATP WTA and, and Grand Slam events are done on a to follow basis so the players aren't actually given a time that they're playing at unless they're the first match of the day or session or the first match of the night session so you're hundred percent correct sometimes we might turn the TV on expecting a certain match to be there but matches prior have taken a little bit longer to play. So, you know, if you're a fan of a certain Canadian, be patient. They will be coming along. If you're a fan of another player, you've just got to kind of follow the scoring, the live scoring, so that you kind of know when those matches are coming up. You know, to jump back to Marino for a second, Pliskova is 5-5 five and five in her career against Svitolina. Um, yes, Svitolina's won the last few, but Marino's game is very much like hers and certainly not ranked anywhere near the same but she relies that both those players rely on the big serve and the big forehand so I don't want to count Marino out of that match against the number five seed uh, Svitolina it's going to be a tough one but she certainly has the tools and the game that can take down a top seed like that and wouldn't that be a tremendous story and a tremendous kind of comeback story for Marino especially after going through a tough qualifying in the grueling heat. Yeah, that's extremely well said. And I just want to point out, uh, before we listen to Mark Rowe and, and Bianca, uh, you know, the, the way to really keep uh, updated on the tennis is download the TSN app and sign up for the notifications, and, and they will tell you. They'll notify you uh, when the, the matches are, are being played with the Canadians. So you'll you'll be notified right to the second, and the channel that it's on, the TSN 1, 3, 4, or 5, uh, or 2 as well, will come up, and, and you'll know exactly where to go. That, that is, without a doubt, a really great service that TSN offers. So here here is Mark Rowe in conversation with Bianca Andrescu. It's got to be pretty special being here back in New York. And, and I have to think that in 2019 brings back all these great memories. Is there one moment from that run that's maybe a little more prevalent than the others? Well, yeah, I mean, I won my first Grand Slam. I've been dreaming of that moment for a really long time. And playing Serena in the finals was just insane. This is her court, basically, is what they call it. <laughs> And the crowd was just crazy. And I remember coming here when I was younger and 
visualizing myself being in that moment like in 2019 and it's just it's super surreal to you know have imagined that worked for that and then accomplishing that must have been pretty cool to be back out there practicing today you know um, yeah and we were just joking like so much has happened in two years what has changed the most since 2019 you or how the tour now approaches playing you very good question I think it's both I felt like over the last couple of months I was going too much in the past and I was telling myself oh why can't I play like I did in 2019 all these things but then I had to step back and realize that I'm not you know that rookie anymore people know me people know how I play they've probably studied me and so I have to expect for them to, you know, be on their A-game every time they step on the court against me. And that's how it's been over the last couple of months. So I've learned to have that mindset of just being at a higher intensity than them, you know? Sometimes it didn't work out because of other things. And, you know, I haven't played a lot of matches either. Um, and I'm not trying to make that an excuse, but I feel like... A year and a half off is really really long and this year I played like I don't know like six or seven tournaments and so I'm hoping that I can get more matches in this week or the next couple of weeks and you know I feel good overall I really do well you didn't play your last year so we can call you the defending champ right like I know it's me and Naomi right right it's kind of crazy <laughs> <laughs> really crazy actually so you, you just said that you feel great I think a lot of people just want to know physically uh, I know the toe was an issue both uh, in Toronto and is, or sorry Montreal and, and also Cincinnati. Um, give us the the diagnosis. The soup. Yeah. Yeah. Now I feel good, but it was a little bit of a nuisance over the last couple of weeks. But I was able to heal it completely, and yeah, I've been training full out, no problem. So I'm very happy with that. I feel like there's been a, a big difference with your experience on tour. There's Bianca kind of on her own, um, whether it's just with your team and Bianca with her family on the road. And Coco's already gone viral, so the US Open can officially begin now, I guess. But how, like, <laughs> how important so is that to have Coco and the whole family here just yeah. kind of like in 2019? Yeah, I know. and. This year, it was hard to bring whoever you wanted on tour, um, and just having them, I had them at the Rogers Cup, it was great, and now I have my best friend here and my parents, including Coco, and it's great. It just, it helps me stay grounded, first of all, and it's nice to have like a different, you know, like I'm, I can go to dinner with them, not really focus about tennis at all, and it, it keeps me fresh. And I'm happy to have them because it's family and friends. It's great. Yeah. Puts you in a better mental state, right? Exactly. I'm assuming you play better tennis when you're in a better yeah. mental state. <laughs> Very important. Um, one of the big differences between now and when I last saw you, um, Sylvan's not here. Um, you have a new interim coach in Sven. How, how would you describe how he analyzes your game in comparison to Sylvan? I don't want to make any comparisons, but um, they're obviously, they're very different and um, I feel like Sven 
what I've noticed and I've learned a lot from him already he pays attention to very little details but I've noticed that those details really count for a lot and I see that in practice I even see that in my matches as well I know I haven't had you know the best results over the last couple of weeks but I feel that and I think right now it's more about me trying to apply them in my practices and now in my matches for me to you know skyrocket because I'm feeling great and um, we're also looking at long term like more of the future because short term you know you can't really apply all these things all at once and so we're taking it step by step I have to be patient it's not always easy but I was say how hard is that <laughs> God has been testing me a lot I'm telling you over the last year and a half it's been really crazy but I'm trying to see the best in everything you know those blessing in disguise and that's really what's been keeping me going and my goals does it make it a little easier that you're part of a a team Canada here where for years when you guys were young we'd cover you as juniors whether it's Dennis or Felix or you you'd say we're coming and we're all coming together and that's the cool thing you've come you've arrived yeah. you guys could all be playing in the second week like I know what does that feel like just to be part of that group yeah it's absolutely incredible I've trained with them when we were like this tall we were 13 14 traveling to like tennis Europe tournaments it's so wonderful even for tennis in Canada you know I know we've been getting a lot of messages like oh my god I picked up a tennis racket because of you guys and that just that makes my heart so full because I really want to be able to inspire others especially Canadians because I'm Canadian you know and having not just me but Felix Dennis Gabby all these people is really incredible well, all Canadians are happy you're back at the US Open again great to see you in person now yeah. it's uh, it's been a long time but looking forward to two weeks of Bianca Andreescu playing here in New York fingers crossed nice to see you thank well. you that is Mark Rowe and Bianca uh, in New York, recorded in New York, and I know that Mark is thrilled to be there, and you could hear the uh, the enthusiasm in Bianca's voice as well, so we're looking forward to some great tennis there, that's for sure. If you're over 55, you can access the wealth that is built up in your home with a reverse mortgage. Let Owl Mortgage show you how with a free copy of Home Run, the reverse mortgage advantage. Call Owl Mortgage today for a free copy at 416 633 Five three six three. Coming up next, we'll have Stephanie Miles, a tennis journalist at Open Quarters, a Twitter account. She has written a book about Bianca. So that's going to be an interesting conversation later on. Stacy Allister, the attorney director of the U.S. Open. This is Tennis Talk Canada, TSN ten fifty, TSN ten fifty dot ca. Also available on the TSN and iHeartRadio apps. You're listening to Tennis Talk Canada on TSN ten fifty. Here's Jim Taddy. Canada is sponsored by the Fox Group at IG Private Wealth Management. It's important to get your financial planning in order. I feel comfortable and confident recommending Don Fox and his team to you. The Fox Group provides a written plan specifically tailored for you, reflecting your goals and aspirations. It's reviewed regularly and adjusted or updated when needed. The planning process begins with you in mind. The Fox Group, inspiring clients to achieve true wealth. You can contact the Fox Group on their website, donfox.net, or follow on Twitter at foxgrouppwm. Jim Taddy, Ken Christina with you, and welcome to Tennis Talk Canada, Stephanie Miles, tennis journalist. How are you, Stephanie? I'm hanging in there. <laughs> Does that mean it's real hot today? No, it's a little bit better today uh, than it has been the last three days when I 
literally melted and, and there was no point in putting sunscreen on which i did 20 times but it just melted off in two seconds and so looking a little tomato like but you know it was worth it, being out there to watch rebecca marino do her thing yeah we're very excited in canada that she made it through can you can you tell us a little bit because i i know you've been down there watching can you take tell our listeners a little bit about you know, the qualifying, the heat, and, and certainly how well Rebecca has responded to that uh, over the past few days. You know, to me, the, the most interesting stories really do come out of the qualifying, and I was sort of all over the place. So you can check out opencourt.ca over the next day or so to see some of these crazy things that have gone on. You know, one guy... Five, five, five in the third set tiebreak, he vomited in the corner of the court and, you know, and then, I mean, then his opponent did and, it was, but, but with Marino, um, you know, I actually spoke to her right after, right after the match yesterday and asked her about the heat and the conditions. And she said, you know, it's almost as though this summer kind of prepared people for it in a sense, you know, in, in, um, you know, up in Canada, it was hot and Evansville and Charleston where she was. So she, you know, she didn't look bothered by it as a lot of players did. And I would say more on the men's side than the women's side, but on the women's side as well. And I think the biggest reason why she was able to qualify against really good opponents is that she's a really good starter. I don't know if she's nervous to start. Probably everybody is, but she, she comes out, she comes out and plays really consistent tennis from the first, from the get go. And uh, what happened in her last two matches is that her, her opponents who were both Belgians picked up their level in the second set, but she kind of withstood that and just kept staying the course and, you know, came up with some, you know, some, really, really quality wins. And she was absolutely thrilled when it was over. And her boyfriend was, was sitting on the sidelines. And on some, like some of the other guys who actually put a towel on themselves before they hugged their sweater, sweaty players, he was all in. Like, he didn't care. <laughs> oh, I love that. Now, you talked a little bit about the qualifying and, and kind of finding that it's your favorite matches. I, I agree with you 100%. I always find, Stephanie, that those are the people that are trying to, you know, earn their bus ticket, so to speak, you know, plane fare to get to the next tournament and those types of things. I guess the beauty for the U.S. Open is the prize money is a little bit better. But how have the players been with no fans? I know that I believe the decision was no fans for the qualifying, but fans for main draw. Does it does it bother the players? Do you think? Well, at this point, I guess they keep get they keep being asked this question. But we're a year into it now, right? So so certainly now that the tournaments in the U.S. particularly have had a fair amount of fans. And of course they get out there on their on-court interviews. And the first thing the guy asked is like, how great is it to play in front of fans? Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Is that, you know, is that a question? I mean, of course it's great, right? I mean, even, even Benoit Pair has come back to life you know, with, with, with the fans to sort of give him a little bit of a boost. It is the qualifying you know, it, 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 it's been that way. It's been that way all year. I mean, the Australian qualifying was in Doha and Dubai. Uh, the, the Roland Garros qualifying had no fans. The Wimbledon qualifying, for whatever reason, had no fans at the, the alternate site where they play at Roehampton. So it's a bit of a post-apocalyptic atmosphere. Uh, and, um, and so, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that at that point, I mean, they're always on the prize. But the, the, the difference that it makes 
for someone to make a main draw. They had 75,000 U.S. to even lose in the first round. There's good money in the qualifying as well. But in this particular case, some of these matches, you know, they've been three hours and they've been dogfights and the guys can barely move at the end. So when you win it, you know, you're okay. You lose it. It just, it probably hurts even that much more. I mean, some of the devastated faces I've seen this week, I've never seen before. And I keep, you know, I'm at the qualifying all the time. So it's really, it's really been something else. And it's, it, that's, that's, the, that's what the drama of sports is all about. And it's, it's great to win at the top level, but, but the dreams that are, you know, come true and are shattered and all the cliches that you want to use really do happen uh, at that level in these days before the main event begins. Stephanie, tell us about your Bianca book. What was that uh, the process like? Uh, you know, what did you come away uh, after you've done that project? What did you come away with uh, in terms of, of who Bianca is? Well, she goes and gets injured basically, basically right before it comes out, <laughs> and then she's gone for a year and a half. So. I'm impressed that it sold as many as it did, actually, and it's obviously still quite timely. But it was not—it was not by any stretch of the imagination a really deep look in. I mean, they asked me to do it right after the U.S. Open, after a really busy summer, and I wrote it in nine days of no sleeping. And um, and you know, I did—I did speak to some people about her early you know, her early, early days. And obviously I had witnessed probably more Bianca Andrescu than anybody, you know, on her way up. It is um, the thing that the most, the biggest takeaway was, and I remember this from when the first time I saw her at the French Open Juniors when she was like not barely 15, not even 15, is that the style, the game style that she plays now is she had it then. You know, when she was 14. And a lot of times tennis federations will try to, like, suck all that originality out of players in a sense, you know. And, but she was slicing and coming to the net and hitting drop shots and all this. And then she went through this period, about 16, 17, where she was basically stuck on the baseline like every other junior. And, um, and I think maybe big picture it, it might have helped because obviously she solidified herself from the baseline. But it was only – when she got back to doing what she just sort of naturally always did, that she made her big breakthrough. And I think that that's, a, that's an interesting lesson to, um, to tennis federations and to academies and everybody else who are training players these days is that, you know, every player is different and you have to try to look at the things that they do naturally, that they're comfortable with, and you just you keep at that, even though maybe in the juniors it might not pay off so much because usually it's the girl who hits the hardest and makes the least mistakes that's going to win on that day. But in the grand scheme of things, if you try to be a player you're not, you're not going to be as good as if you maximize the player that you are, if that makes sense. I I agree 100%. And to our young listeners out there whose coach tries to get them to change too drastically, you know, I've hit a two-handed backhand volley my whole life, and I think everybody's tried to change that I ever worked with. And you know, well, when I have a student, when I have a student that uses a two-handed backhand volley, I'm so thrilled about it. So, Stephanie, I have to tell you, I'm walking out of Mayfair this morning. I I start Saturdays with an early morning lesson. I walk by this coach, Guy Noel, and he says, "Who's on the show today?" And I say, "Stephanie Miles." And he goes, "OpenCourt.ca. I love her." So I know when you're <laughs> I, out there I know sometimes. Dave, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He he loves reading your articles and your pictures, etc. So you, we talked a little bit about Marino. Um, you know, she's play, got a tough draw coming out. You know, she gets picked up uh, to play against Fidelina, the number five seed. 
You've watched her play over the last few days and seen her play a lot of times. Does she have a chance with the big serve and the big forehand to, to hang in there with the likes of a Svitolina? You know, I think that I think the most important thing is that she believes she has a chance against anybody right now. On the plus side for, for Svitolina, she's actually in a final today and is it Chicago? Chicago or Cleveland? Chicago, I think. Chicago, yeah. And so she's yeah, so she's played a fair amount of tennis this week. She's she's gonna have a very quick turnaround when she gets to New York. Uh, she, you know, she'll have to reunite with her new husband. And so, but it, it, it's so unfortunate in a sense. I mean, she could have gotten Layla Fernandez as well, but, you know, the next qualifier picked to fill out the spots, you know, what got Anna Bondar of Hungary or something. So it's really, really bad luck in that way. But you can't, those are not things you can control. So she can just go out there, she'll get a good court, and, you know, and hopefully people will be cheering for the underdog, and hopefully there'll be some Canadians here, assuming they're vaccinated. New rule that happened yesterday. And, um, and, and we'll see what happens. But, but, uh, but the main thing is that she's on, she's on the right path. Again, the draws you can't control. I mean, I'm telling you, I mean, I asked her yesterday, I said, you know, do you think you're a better player than you were 10 years ago the last time you made it here? And, um, I mean, she was right off the court and pretty sweaty and, you know, it wasn't going to be an in-depth kind of thing, but, she, but, you know, I suggested her back end was better and, and, you know, she agreed with that. She uses her slice more than she used to. She's still serving well. And she said the biggest thing that she's worked on is fitness. And so I think she's a better player and, uh, we'll see how, where that gets her, but, but all she can worry about is the next one. Stephanie, thanks for your time. I hope you can come back sometime in the next three weeks. Uh, hey, I'll be around. You, you okay. got my digits. <laughs> okay. Yes, we will stock. Okay, <laughs> thanks. That's Stephanie Miles, journalist uh, Stephanie Stephanie Miles. Uh, the Twitter account is at Open Court. The website is OpenCourt.ca. This segment of Tennis Talk Canada is sponsored by the Fox Group at IG Private Wealth Management. It's important to get your financial planning in order, and I feel comfortable and confident recommending Don Fox and his team to you. The Fox Group provides a written plan specifically tailored for you, reflecting your goals and aspirations. It's reviewed regularly and adjusted or updated when needed. The planning process begins with you in mind. The Fox Group, inspiring clients to achieve true wealth. You can contact the Fox Group on their website, donfox.net, or follow on Twitter at Fox Group PWM. Coming up next, a conversation with Kenny and I, and then later on, Stacey Allister, the Attorney Director of the U.S. Open. This is Tennis Talk Canada, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, also available on the TSN and iHeartRadio apps. You're listening to Tennis Talk Canada on TSN 1050. Here's Jim Taddy. Welcome back. This segment is brought to you by Scoglin Homes. Considering selling your market in the GTA, do not just rely on a strong market. Call Eric Scoglin and maximize your sale price with the Scoglin Homes comprehensive listing plan that includes luxurious staging, eye-catching video marketing, drone photography, and a large database of qualified buyers looking for homes just like yours. Call 647-300-7019, speak to Eric directly, or check out scoglinhomes.com and make the right decision around your largest investment. Jim Taddy, Ken Christina with you. And, you know, Ken, I was going over the, the opening draw, and actually uh, Pospisil has a, a bit of a break compared to everybody else, doesn't he? Well, you know, Vasek typically gets the most horrendous draws in Grand Slams. So his draw's not too bad. He's playing against Fanini first round. But three of the last four or three of the four times he's played Fanini, Fanini, he's beaten him. And the last three times he's played him, he's beaten him. So he has that style of game that Fanini is not a huge fan of playing against. Fanini likes to play a guy that will stay at the baseline, 
will rally, kind of push him and pressure him a little bit, but doesn't like that constant pressure of the serve and volley and the, the return and attack style game that Vashik brings. Vashik beat him at Davis Cup in 2019, 7-6, 7-5. Prior to that in 2015, he beat him at Wimbledon in four sets on the grass. So uh, I'm hearing that the courts at the U.S. Open are playing quicker than they've played in previous years. So that bodes well for somebody like Vashik that likes to be aggressive, likes to attack the net. The one negative for Vashik going into this match is that he doesn't perform well in extreme heat, and the heat has been extreme down in New York. The good news is it's looking like his match will be later in the day when things will be a little bit cooler, but I'm hopeful for Vashik. Look, we've, he's been on the show a couple times. He's a great friend of the game of tennis in Canada and helps to grow the sport in this country. Um, and and he, it's due, he's due to have a decent draw, and this is about as decent as you could expect for him. It's a guy that he's beaten and a guy that I think he stands a good chance to beat in the first round of the U.S. Open this year. Well, one more thought before we get there. If your 55 retirement planning is on your horizon, you should read Home Run, the reverse mortgage advantage. It gives you the advice you need to make sound decisions about your future. Call Owl Mortgage to get your free copy today at 416-633-5363. So in terms of, like, you have in front of you the you know the Monday, the Tuesday, uh, the men, the women. In terms of Canadian success, what do you think we're talking about next week on this show? Um, well, I think that this is probably the best draws we've had so far for Canada in this tournament. I think that, you know, typically with six players, you're expecting to have three, maybe four really difficult draws. Part of that is the fact that our Canadians are seated quite high now. We've got three Canadians seated uh, pretty high in the tournament, which certainly helps things. I think... As, as Bianca alluded to, you know, Canada's coming and they could go deep in some slams. This is about as good a chance as ever that we have to see some Canadians go deep. Um, of course, we have to remember they're still young. They're still learning. Um, but this is an opportunity for them to do well, especially with the, the quickness, the slickness of the courts that are there. Um, the good news is I just got a, an email from Stacy Allister, our tournament director of the U.S. Open, a Canadian, I'm proud to say, and uh, she's ready to join us uh, very soon on our show. So that's uh, exciting news, Jim. It is. So we'll just get out of the way. We've got to cram things in to give her some more time. Looking to purchase a home in this busy GTA market? Do not get overwhelmed. Let Eric at Scoglet Homes guide you through the process. Eric's comprehensive buyer's plan takes the stress out of purchasing with great services, including virtual showings, access to exclusive listings from the top brokerages in the city, and a complimentary design consult once you have found your dream home. Buyer's representation is very important in a hot market, so call Eric directly at 647-300-7019 or check out ScoglitHomes.com. To get started, Stacey Allister, Attorney Director of the U.S. Open, is next. This is Tennis Talk Canada on TSN 1050. You're listening to Tennis Talk Canada on TSN 1050. Here's Jim Taddy. Welcome back. Did you know that a reverse mortgage can help fund your retirement? OwlMortgage.ca can help homeowners over 55 find out how their home could work for them. Call Owl Mortgage for advice and a free copy of Home Run, the reverse mortgage advantage at 416-633-5363. Jim Taddy, Ken Christina with you. Please have with us now Stacy Allister, the attorney director for the U.S. Open. Stacy, welcome. How are you? Good morning, Jim. I'm doing well. Hey, Kenny. Hey, Stace. How are you? Good. We're playing tennis here in New York, and we're going to have fans on site. Just uh, yeah. like the Take National us, Bank Open. How great is that? <laughs> that is fantastic. Take us through, you know, the, the I guess the protocols and, and how all of this unfolds. 
So for the athletes, we have about 2,500 uh, athletes and their player support team members that have arrived from 60 countries. Uh, they come into the system. They are all uh, tested. And uh, once they have clearance, they, they receive their credential. And then they will be tested every three days. Uh, what's different um, in New York is, in fact, that the athletes do not have to stay in their hotel uh, like they did uh, when they were uh, with you in Canada, in Toronto, Montreal. So they have some flexibility. Uh, there's a responsibility uh, upon them and, and all of us that they are uh, being mindful of of keeping their mask on and the social distancing and not going to places of mass gatherings. But uh, so far, uh, the, I mean, the athletes have proven over the past 12 months, they know how to, how to live with COVID and work with COVID. And uh, so far, uh, things have gone really well here. And qualifying ended yesterday. And um, main draw starts Monday morning, 11 o'clock on TSN. <laughs> yes, fantastic. Now, Stacy, I know that um, the vaccine rules change slightly for fans. So, as you know, Canadians love to flock to New York because the, the U.S. Open is such an incredible event. It's our closest Grand Slam to Canadians. Um, but now you have to have, I believe it's one vaccination dose. Is that correct? That's right, Kenny. So uh, yesterday afternoon, conversations started happening with uh with the New York City Department of Health uh, that they uh, really felt with inside Arthur Ashe that they wanted to have all spectators um, with at least one one shot. So for Canadians who um, uh, come to the U.S., which you need to even come into the U.S., there'll be no issue. We look forward to, to having the Canadians uh, with us. So they'll have to just need their proof of vaccination. Okay, that's fantastic. Now, how tough has it been on you? I, I know that, <laughs> firstly, thank you for taking time today because I know this is your busiest two weeks, but how tough has it been on your team to cope with these changes? Because uh, I know it's changed a few times from what I've been reading. How's the whole team that you're with making out and making the adjustments for the fans and I guess a little bit for the players as well? Again, it's, it's been 12 months. You know, last year, we, uh, we were the first international event in the world um, of this size to uh, return to the competition. So we certainly uh, learned a lot in 2020. <clears throat> and uh, that foundation of, you know, how to mitigate risk, we, we can't prevent uh, individuals from becoming infected. It's about uh, ensuring that we don't have uh, an outbreak. And with that same rigor, uh, that same guidance from the world's best uh, doctors in infectious disease. Uh, it's been a nimble and flexible uh, journey for the past 365 days. Uh, it's up and down, but <clears throat> I really think uh, my, our mindset has been, if we could pull off last year, and we did incredibly successfully, uh, keeping everyone healthy and safe, having fans back on site has really lifted all everyone's energy. Uh, so changing protocols, you know, it's, everyone's just take it in stride. We're still here. We still have fans on site. And uh, the 2021 U.S. Open will have all the players, all the competitions. So that's being that, that energy boost to keep the team going when we've had uh, some of the, the ups and downs. Stacy, sometimes we forget where we were 12 months ago, and really, you know, what you did there with your team uh, sort of set a template for everybody else, didn't it? 
It really did, Jim. We are incredibly proud uh, of the, the collective effort of this team. We showed uh, the world, and specifically the tennis world, that we could return to play and competition in a safe manner with this virus. And we then saw, you know, uh, so many events in the fourth quarter of 20, uh, a successful uh, Roland Garros. Uh, obviously, the Australians were able to to also pull it off. And there's no doubt in my mind, uh, the organizers of Tokyo, they've been looking at every sport event. And our event was a, a model because we, you know, that model was in essence what Tokyo delivered. It's kind of a bubble in a in a bubble with, with all of those different sports. So at the end of the day, we just know how powerful sport can be uh, to, to give hope, to give inspiration um, for our society. And um, we, just, we just really couldn't be more excited that it's, it's our greatest return. And it is the 20th anniversary of 9-11, which is really interesting because what we know in New York, they're so resilient. And we talk about, you know, that's a characteristic of the U.S. Open brand. And uh, here we are on that 20th anniversary. And, and because of first responders and dedicated doctors and New Yorkers, the U.S. Open is back with fans on site for 2021. Well, Stacy, I can tell you it's in great hands with you leading the charge, that's for sure. With all that you did with the, the Rogers Cup slash National Bank Open in, in Toronto, I know that it, uh, you know to have you as a model, as you said, the tournament is a model for the rest of the world. I can only imagine that this, this next two weeks will be the same. You know, in Toronto, we are fortunate to have uh, some fans. Um, and it, it, the players certainly seem to like it. You know, obviously, the odd time, they don't like the, 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 uh, the whistling and the, the cat calls, for lack of a better word. Are the players talking about, you know, playing a night match in New York? Because, you know, the last <laughs> time I came down, we went to a night match, uh, and there's nothing like it. Are, are the players ex- as excited as maybe the fans, or even more so excited than the fans, do you think? I think players are super excited, Kenny. Um, yeah. They feed off of the energy of the fans. They've missed them. You know, it's very isolating, COVID, you know, from bubble to bubble, city to city. They haven't really been able to be with their, uh, all of their, their family. And they have, they have missed the fans. And um, as you said, Arthur Ashe, 20, 24,000 people, very loud, screaming. I'm looking forward to someone calling uh, me and saying, Stacey, can we, can we have the chair umpire? quiet down the fans. That'll be a very good call to take this year. <laughs> I mean, you know, that, that, that visual of um, a sporting event, actually any big event in New York City, with all due respect to the fine cities across the world, that has a certain electricity to it, doesn't it? No question, Jerry. It's just There's something magical about it, isn't it? And yeah. that's what sport is. It just brings people together uh, to share a passion and to share an experience and to share a moment usually in history. Can you believe that? And, uh, you know, we're just so, we've been very fortunate uh, here in the U.S. to have such access to the vaccine in New York City. Almost, uh, I think, uh, 70% have had at least one, 66% have had both uh, doses. So, again, uh, because of uh, New Yorkers and uh, the public health officials, we get this opportunity to, to welcome everyone, everyone back uh, to uh, that unbelievable stadium called Arthur Ashe, named after Arthur Ashe. So, so a two-part question for you here, Stacy. The first part's easy. Second part kind of puts you on the spot a little bit. 
Um, <laughs> any plans uh, for heat breaks for the players with the extreme heat that we've seen uh, for the U.S. Open, number one? And number two, you know, in Toronto and, and in some tournaments, we've seen some players take extremely long bathroom breaks in between second and third sets. And do you think the tours will ever find it within themselves to limit those or to put a timer on those or something to make it a little bit better for, you know, for television, for the fans, for their opponent, all that kind of stuff? Sure. Um, the first one, so the U.S. Open uh, has a heat rule. Uh, during the qualifying, uh, it has been in place uh, almost every day. Um, this this past week, so um, once the wet WBGT gets to a certain uh, number, it's a combination of the humidity and the temperature uh, that's in place. And for the women, they uh, get a ten minute break between um, the second and third set. The men don't have a heat break on their tour, but we adopted one in 2019 after the extreme heat. So the guys uh, will get a break. Um, for the best of five, if the heat rule is in, in effect. Uh, you know, additional measures are taken with all of the ice uh, elements that you see uh, for their necks. We have cooling devices on every single bench. Uh, we have 14 competition courts. And then we also have uh, cooling rooms uh, <clears throat> adjacent to the courts during those, those heat breaks. So, uh, you know, it's real, and uh, the athlete's health and well-being is the number one priority. So I think that answers uh, the first question, Ken. The second question, there is certainly a rule. Uh, I was actually in a WTA player council meeting last night uh, talking about it. It's obviously difficult uh, for uh, any athlete to get out of those drenched clothes quickly. Uh, and we can't deny that uh, there are a few additional clothing items that the females have to uh, adjust. So, you know, I've said to the athletes, it's not like we're trying to make it difficult for you, but the reality of it is in this day and age, fans are, are flipping the switch very, very quickly. They're going to leave TSN and watching this match. Um, and so the, the rules are in place. Everyone tries to use some discretion around where we are in the state, stage of the match, uh, how far the change room is from the court, uh, those types of things. Um, so I can tell you additional measures were put in place, Ken, to address the concerns of our fans who are, are watching at home. Um, and I'm sure it's going to be an ongoing discussion between uh, broadcast and also um, the athletes. But it's, it's a really important issue um, because, I, you know, I don't see it as, as anything to do with television. I have to see it 100% that on the other side of that screen, uh, that mobile device, there's a fan watching uh, the U.S. Open by uh, TSM's platforms. And so we just got to get the athletes to understand it's not about TV, it's about a fan. And how do we do that in a, in a way that's, um, fair to allow the athletes the appropriate time, but not have the those that take advantage of it. That is, you know, any tennis fan would just love what you just said there. That, that's fantastic, Stacy. Thank you very much for your time. My pleasure, Jim. If you guys want to chat some more, um, you know where to find me over the next two weeks. <laughs> yes, yes, I we love will. it. We're we, going to stalk we, you. <laughs> we might call on you, okay. and Stacy. Stacy, I'm planning to head down there, and for every Canadian that's going down there to cheer on those six Canadians, we're proud of you, and we're proud of these young Canadian players. Keep up the good work, kiddo. Thank you, Kenny. I'm very proud of our Canadian players, too. So thanks. You got it. Thanks, Stacy. Enjoy.
Thanks, guys. That is Stacey Alistair, Attorney Director of the U.S. Open. Wow, we had two very great conversations there, Ken. I really enjoyed uh, both of them. Very uh, informative. We did, yeah, we did absolutely. You know, I, I first started working with Stacy at the Ontario Tennis Association years and years and years ago. She would hate for me to give an exact date, but and then in 1989, she and I did the Ontario or the Canadian Games together, and we were the coaches of the um, Ontario team at the Canada Summer Games. So we've had a lot of fun together. She's a great person, and I'm just so happy to see her doing well. And you know, she always did a phenomenal job in Toronto running the National Bank Open when she was with uh, Tennis Canada back in the day. It was Du Maurier and and Rogers. Uh, right. Cup, and it's happy to see her doing great things down at the, the U.S. Open. Ken, thanks very much. Look forward to our conversations during the week and next Saturday again on Tennis Talk Canada. Yes, Guy is next.